But um, I think that took guts, though, when you talk about going down different paths. Yeah. Because I, remember, I was there when you were forming, when you were becoming what you are now. And, um, you know, you were a blank canvas in a sense. And then you chose this path, which made, it was very bold to go the path you went, especially from the family you came from, just because they're the fusion, blah, 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 blah. Sure. You know, and you saw this thing in this, in another place, you know, and you made this beautiful music in that genre, you know, and you didn't apologize for that, you didn't... Uh... It, it was completely unapologetic because I loved it. I'm like, wow, I look what I discovered. You know, it wasn't like, oh, look what fusion record I discovered. It's like I, I had that under my belt and I digested that and wouldn't be the drummer that I am today without that progressive element and you know um, and it's great to have that bag of tricks to, to, to grab from um, to expand my vocabulary as a music, musician but then when I discovered metal and punk rock I'm like okay you found your home yeah and the, eth the you know the, the ethos behind it all too it was like you know the self-expression and you know, what's, what's punk about an individual is not conforming to, um, to, the, uh, to the flock. You know? Yes. So I, 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 you know, I mean, socially growing up, I had a hard time. So once I found these people, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm home. These now. are my people. Yeah, yeah, I, I can relax now. So. Right. Uh, don't you think that it's... It's possible that that genre of music is in some ways more challenging in the sense that it's so wide open. Meaning that if you go into fusion or something like that, you know, jazz, or whatever, it's sort of already the system, already these rules. Right. This kind of prison. Whereas with rock and roll, it's kind of wide open. It's kind of like, like if I gave you a bunch of money to make a record, you could really do anything from like Kate Bush to. The Plimsolls. Yeah. Or, or, or what I, you know, I'm not, I don't know all the rock, but the, what you're allowed to do is way broader. Yeah. Which I think takes guts, doesn't it, to... Well, but then you have guys like Chaco Pastoris um, and Tony Williams who said, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to shift the paradigm here. That's true. And I'm, I'm going to... I'm gonna put my rock socks on right now, and, and that's true. You know, I, re I remember Tony Williams uh, listening to Metallica before he died. Like, I believe it. Yeah, like, I, I think it. I think Greg Bissonette was taking lessons from him, and Greg asked him, "Well, who have you been listening to?" And he said, "Oh, I'm really into Metallica." That's mm -hmm. like, okay, this is the guy that played in Miles Davis's band. Yes. You know, there's probably a lot of Berkeley guys that are going, "Oh no, he never said that." It's like, yeah, no, that's what sets him apart from, you know, it's like the boys from the men. It's like, is that because he was able to set his ego aside and and his preconceived ideas aside? Part of the pun. Ego. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know I know that when I um, I got to meet Tony a few times because of Bunny. Oh, really? And I I worship Tony, you know, and yeah. I was a snob, you know. I thought that if you didn't know fusion if you didn't play straight ahead jazz that, that you sucked yeah and I and I, I remember being very disillusioned when I learned that one of Tony's favorite drummer was John Bonham which yeah I don't think he's a horrible drummer I think he's a great drummer you know of course but I was so sort of stuck in that 
snobby, jazz, What's pseudo. amazing is that people assume that Bonham's favorite drummers were rock drummers. No. His favorite drummers were like Buddy Rich. Yeah. Louis jazz. Nelson. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's what set him apart was because he had that finesse. But, um, yes. I was, I was watching an a interview on the guy that played for The Doors. I can't remember his name, the drummer. For the John Doors. Dunsmore. Okay. And apparently he was a huge fan of... Um, Another jazz drummer. Yes, of, uh, not of uh, Coltrane's drummer. Um, Alvin Jones. Philly Jones, yeah. It was Alvin, yeah. Alvin. And I, when, I, when, you, when you listen to those Doors records, it's fully Alvin Jones. Yeah. Emulated. It's, it's, it's sheets of sounds, and Jim Morrison is the saxophone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he went to like, you know all I mean? those concerts. Yeah. You know, he was there, this guy from this era of music was making a bunch of money, listening to these guys, these masters, yep. from an era, era of music that was done. Yeah. I saw um, <coughs> Elvin and Tony both perform. My dad took me to Catalina Bar and Grill. And I was at one of those with you. I think maybe Alvin. Probably, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, we were like right by Tony Williams' hi-hat watching him play. And, yeah, left a everlasting. And in those con impact. whenever you go see Tony at Catalina, in this corner over here, you'd see Vinnie Colliuta. Yep. Sneak of in course. right and just sit there and watch the yeah. whole time. Yeah, and off. Not say a word. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, how do you turn that into art? How do you. When I hear you play the drums, I. You have this identity. Mm -hmm. How do you go from a guy who's practicing exercises to a guy who is making musical statements. Playing in bands, playing with people, recording, um, trial and error. Wow, that really sucked. Wow, I'll never play failure. that again. Failure helps failure. create that, right? You know, the, the failed moments are as important as the successful moments. Maybe more. Yeah. You yeah. certainly could not become successful without failure. Exactly. No, I think the sooner you welcome failure and cancel out expectation, the uh, more comfortable you'll be, not only as a musician, but just in life. Yes. You know? I just tweeted this quote that Elon Musk said on a, the Joe Rogan podcast. He said, um, happiness is reality minus, minus failure. Mm. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm still picking. I'm still yeah. working on this. I'll take some more coffee. Thanks. Um, yeah. Did you? I, you just have yeah. to, I think, just do your best to throw, you know, the fear element out the window and, and, uh, and the ego away and, and just play with people. Like I'm this weekend I'm playing with Steve I really? on Friday for a benefit show. Now at awesome. first I wasn't gonna do it. I was gonna make up some excuse. Yeah. Because why would you uh, not want to do that? I think because of a uh, little bit of fear, you know. Why? Because of Steve I grew up listening to him. Oh and, right. And just there was some intimidation there, but then I'm like, 
it's ridiculous. Like I, pr I play every day. I know how to play ten different styles. Steve is someone that's been um, a huge influence in my life. It's yeah. for, it's for um, charity. So it's it's like helping foster kids. Okay. All the donations are going to this foster care program. Okay. So you know it's just funny how your mind goes to no. Just you know, <laughs> once you a, feel out of your wheelhouse, yeah. you just go no. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to work on that. Sure. Aren't we all? Yeah. Every day. I'm trying to. Uh, have you seen that movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey? No, you should see it. I like him. I love him. Everybody uh, thinks he's. Everybody's worried about him. No. I think. I think he's okay now. Is what he's. He's. <laughs> he's the smartest guy on earth right now. Right. I mean, he is. Uh, he's rad, right yeah. now. Like he. He. he I, I heard him in some interview and he made some statement like, if something about success and how. Anyone that thinks success is going to make you a, a million percent happy should get successful yes. and get a bunch of money yes. and, and fame and then just realize doesn't do anything. how depressed you'll be if that's your, if that's your end game. Yes. You know, because, um, yeah, talk, talk about a, 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 shat, a shattered dream and, you know, he's, he's, he's been through a lot of therapy and a lot of... Uh, coaching and man, isn't that he's, he's in a good spot right now? Isn't that some level of a reason why people aspire to fame? Is because we don't feel good about ourselves. Yeah, they think it's a substitute to or a fix, maybe even. Yeah, or a gateway to happiness. But you know, no money, more problems. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But. Yeah, but then look at him now. I mean, you know, he has a billion dollars and he's happy, you know, because he figured out um, how to navigate through all the bullshit. And I don't think his mindset was ever, um, I want to be the most famous guy in the right. world. I think he he wanted to be known, but now now that he realized it's not everything that's cracked up to be, he's, you know through philosophy and through kind of putting himself in a different lens or seeing himself through a different lens, he's he's now able to go, you know, there's no me. That that's what he always comes to. I thought that was interesting. To. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But then I do know what it means. Like I I, I know what that means inside, but I can't verbalize what that is. Yes. So what do you think about that? I think in, it's in your own in your own life. Do you feel that identity is real? Um, or valuable? No, I don't think it's valuable anymore. I think I think it was um, before I started studying Jim Carrey. <laughs> right. No, I could talk. Yeah. It's funny that you gravitated towards it because I did the because same. Because identity is so important to people. It was important to me. And I think it's still important to me. And I'm trying to uh, move away from that. It's a bit of a, a prison or a shackle, isn't it? Identity. Yeah. This, this phone, this is not the new phone. 
But if this were the new phone, it's called, which is great, the, currently the new iPhone is called XS. XS? XS. XS. Oh, yeah. Got and, it. <laughs> and if you got the new phone, they say that you would uh, get an actual hit of dopamine from having that phone. Yeah. And then in two years, which is interesting, in two years after having that phone, it would actually give you some misery. Yeah. The very same phone. You know. Yeah. Like I just bought a nice car. Yeah. And I had a Jeep for forever. For like almost 20 years. Yeah. And I was fine in it. Yeah. And I didn't care about getting a new car, but the check engine light came on and I came to terms with reality. Okay, I need to, this is now becoming a death trap. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I bought a nice car yeah. and, and I love it. I'm just like, when I'm in it, I'm fucking high as a kite. But then, and this was about a week ago, and I still love it, but now I'm just not loving it as much and it's kind of similar to the analogy that you just used it's like okay well a year from now it's just going to be a car a year old you car get, it doesn't you know it doesn't mean anything it's materialism but um, but yeah it, it's interesting and I I saw a friend go through this but I, I have a, a friend who's very successful he's in a, one of the biggest bands in the world and has a lot of money and yeah went through a divorce not too long ago and um, I just noticed he was spending a lot just you know he got a I think a girlfriend that didn't become his wife and was kind of going through this gray period and sure he was just spending like buy 10 guitars online and as an attempt to feel yeah, numb yeah. or and fulfilled I, I, somehow? I or? think, you know, I, I should sure. ask him, but I just as an observer, I just noticed, wow, that's interesting that, that he's doing this because I think there's a void somewhere in his life, whether it's with the, the current relationship that he's in or, um, or something, but he was using um, materialism as a, uh, as a transitory... Fulfillment. Yes. Transitory being the key word there. Yes. Um, but now he's in a great place and yeah, uh, still one of my best friends. Said, but it was just interesting to observe how you would go there and just how easy how easy it is, you know, when you're in that position. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's bullshit. Yeah. I when you were telling that story, it made me think of one of the reasons that that I love you so much is that you have this great um, ability to find your center. How do you keep that? How do you keep that with all of the things that you go through with your job and career? And well, it definitely sways, you know. I feel like today I feel great, feel centered with you, uh -huh. your good friend. Yeah asked me to be on this podcast like I woke up looking forward to this but then um, and I already practiced two hours today got up at 5 a.m. so I feel good about that yeah um, 
but some days I just you, you don't know, feel centered. like I have to pay bills like and, and I don't get to be creative and have to do domestic shit or take care of things that don't really fulfill me you know um, as opposed to spending time with my family or writing a song with my band or you know being a musician or, or writing you know like that's that's my perfect day not dealing with you know so creativity drama. fuels this ability to be centered yes yeah but I think people try and um, they try and chase balance interesting too often and that becomes a stressful that becomes a, that endeavor beca that becomes an obsession trying to I got to go to this yoga class. I got to spend time with this person. I got to go, you know, um, uh, you know, they just become obsessed with trying to find balance. And so and, I've never heard that yeah. stated, chase balance. They have. Have you ever heard that stated? Um, I, I think I heard someone imply that. Mm. And then it got me thinking there are people that try I've been it. I've been that person before. Yeah. So I've I'm that person sometimes. But then you know, I think it becomes in terms with there's no balance some days. I mean sure there's some balance other days, but if you just come to terms with no, there's no fucking balance in life. You know, you just gotta go with the flow, um, be in the moment. You know, I'm a huge fan of Bill Murray, and I watch a lot of his interviews. And he was on a Charlie Rose, um, on the Charlie Rose show, and um, he talks about just being present, being there, yeah. and that's the hardest part um, and aspect of his life to chase is, is, you know, turning turning your brain off, and when you're with your kids, just. Being authentic, being yeah. being 100 percent there. Exactly, so, I agree. So he's he's yeah. a good example of just you know being the moment, seize the day, and uh, so yeah, that that's one project I, do you, I try to work on. Did you ever see the movie he was in called Rushmore? One of my favorites. Yeah. Jason Schwartzman is also one of my favorite actors yeah. and musician yeah. musicians. What a great story that was. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't going to do that movie. Really? Yeah, and then uh, uh, Bill doesn't have an agent, so it was really hard for Wes Anderson to find him. <clears throat> we were tracking him down. People kept on sending him scripts of Rushmore. I only know all this because I'm the biggest Bill Murray yeah. fan in the world and Wes Anderson fan. And so after everyone calling him, 100 phone calls about Rushmore, he finally said, okay, I'll read the fucking script. He read it and he was like, I'm in. I'll That's do awesome. it. So, That's awesome. But, yeah, was he there, went on to do a lot of Wes Anderson movies. Right. Well, he's one of my favorite. I, I own like Lost in Translation. The, the soundtracks to Wes's movies are equally as good as yeah, his movies. Yeah, absolutely. So, so fucking good. I mean, such a part of a film, the art of filmmaking is that score yeah you know yeah um, yeah talk about the consummate artist right. he's he's the guy so so do you um how do you you know play drums in that same manner 
meaning, you know, like being there, being without, you know, being behind the drums and just playing the drums, not thinking about bills, not thinking about, yeah. How do you get there? Oh, I think I was thinking about this the other day, and because I've been asked this question before, and okay. Walking the stage, you know, you have these scenarios like, oh, wow, we're playing that new song tonight. For me, it's still being the new guy in the bench. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of new oldies but goodies that I'm, yeah. I'm playing. So you start thinking, gosh, I hope I don't fuck up tonight. I hope I don't fuck up tonight. Really? And then, yeah, <coughs> sure. I mean, like on the last tour, we played like four or five new songs I've never played with the band before. So it's just this weird, like negative uh, thinking that, that races through your brain. I, and I know I'm not alone in it. Because you just want to do the best job you can. But then I counter that as I'm walking to my drum kit with um, stop it. Stop it, you lunatic. Say that. I say stop it, you lunatic. I don't say lunatic, but I say stop it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're trying to interrupt that yeah. thought process? Yeah. It's, it's just this crazy negative voice that goes, um, oh, I'll take some more coffee. Thank you. So after a few minutes of painting the worst case scenarios in my brain, and I just finally get to a place where before we get on stage, we're all together. And yeah. We all, you know, fist bump and, and, and you know, it, it's a good moment. Okay. You know, we all have each other's back. We're all supportive. We all love each other. And, um, and then at that moment, I'm like, everything's okay. Because we're all in, in this together. And, um, you know, I, I've done my homework. If I, if I miss a fill, fuck it. Whatever. I've never seen that happen, but okay. I'll take your word it's for happened. it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it's just the perfectionistic. That's a horrible thing, right? Perfectionism? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that sucks. That's nothing but misery from that, don't you feel? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, because I'm a perfectionist and yeah. it's never given me anything but misery. Sure. Well, that book that you uh, recommended today, Feeling Good, yeah, has really it talks me. about that, right? Yeah, right. That I really, love that book. That really dismantles the um, perfectionistic that mythology that yeah. we all have. Yeah. Do you think the thing about walking up to stage and thinking about, oh, am I ready? Do you think that's like an artist's? I think because we care a lot. And don't some artists sort of back themselves in the corners? In order to sort of back themselves what into a corner, uh -huh. uh, to, in order to basically create sort of a hyper focus, to sort of slap yourself into attention. That's like me. A, you know what I mean? Like I a, do that. I don't talk to anyone before. I mean, if I do, it's very minimally. Uh, I have my routine. I'm on my pad. I'm running on my pedals, and um, I'm I am focused. I'm like. I get into my world. That and, zone? Yeah, and I have a great routine before I go on that I stretch, I do yoga, I do, you know, 
I'm not totally mute, you know, we'll, we'll yeah, yeah. kind of laugh, whatever. But I know what I have to do in order to get to the place that I want to get to. You're almost you know? like a actor getting into character. That's exactly what I am. Or an athlete trying to take on, you know, some Olympic marathon. Right. And with our style of music, some tempos are athletic and, right. you know. So, yeah, yeah. But it works for me. Yes. You know, because it, it, you know, I'm not going to be texting or talking on the phone before, an hour before I play. I'm like, okay, this is what I have to do. This is what works for me. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, you know, and when I've seen you play, it shows. I mean, because you haven't been out you bring to a, a show in a, in a while. Yeah, but I mean, I've saw you. I watched you play most of your life, and you have a an enormous amount of focus. Um, like I never feel worried that rhythmically anything's going to go wrong when you're on the stage. Well, thank you. Um, which is a which is such a stark contrast in some of the styles of music you played in the past, you know, because I've been to a lot of punk concerts where the drummer was much less reliable <laughs> rhythmically. Not that it was bad. It's funny how our genre is known for that. <laughs> but yet you're still punk rock. Yeah. You know? Well, punk rock has t taken a, a, a magnificent turn for the best with um, just better punk drummers, you know? Josh Freeze, Travis Barker. Um, uh, so I think guys like that it really set the bar high, you know, for drummers to practice. Right. Um, but even in the '80s, there was great, you know, Fears drummer. That's true. Um, What's his name? Something sticks. Spit sticks. Um, Circle Jerks drummer, Lucky Lair. Yeah. Phenomenal. Bill Stevenson from. Did the, you ever think of creating a, a name for yourself? Like Lucky Sticks? Or no, no, because Brooks Rackman sounds like a fictitious name. <laughs> why? Why does? Why does it sound fictitious? Because um, it has the word whack, her, man, and I whack things. So I never thought I would say that in my life, but yeah, I whack things. <laughs> now, when I joined Event Sevenfold. People thought Brooks Wackerman was a fictitious name. That's awesome. Who wasn't familiar with my That's awesome. prior work. So I didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Wow. To me, that's a very normal, because I guess because I've known you guys so long, it just. It, it's probably, it probably doesn't hit, hit no, you. No, not like, at all. Not yeah. At all. yeah. So. so what is, what is, this is the last question. Because I know that you came here to eat and you've no. barely touched it. I hope I'm not making you nervous. No. Um, I feel feel good do you what do you what do you what do you get when you're playing and I don't care who you're playing with when you're playing and it's at its best and you're in the moment and, and it's just sort of happening what do you get out of that euphoria yeah if I'm not thinking which I don't really think that much when I play. I mean, unless there's, you know, a unrehearsed song that comes up, then I have to think. Um, yeah, I think it, it, you just kind of get into the zone where my favorite shows are like improvisational ones. So 
if I try something and my guitar player looks back and smiles, right. or my singer looks back and smiles, I'm like, great, I just created something that is working. So. Right. Because it's spontaneous. Because it's, it's real. Spontaneous. Yeah. You're not. It's and and I come from an improvisational background. So, right. so, you know, if I can enter, kind of like a jazz mode, even though I'm playing metal. Yeah. You know, in the sense of improvisation, and I'm just I feel loose enough and confident enough to to go there. That's my ideal night. Not something that I've practiced a bunch that I can play perfect. That's fine, but it's the times where I take a chance, take a risk, and even if I fall flat on my face, whatever, I tried it. That didn't work. We'll try right. something else tomorrow, you know? So. Isn't that the funny thing about improvisation is that in order to do that, you have to be so relaxed, so centered, so not thinking. Yeah, it's hard yet, to get there sometimes. Yeah. Or if you, you know, or if you have tension in your life or, an argument with someone, you know, you you take as as much as you try not to take that to stage, it's it's with you, you know, and you're not gonna be you're not gonna be a comfortable dude up there, you know, if, if you have other um, thoughts. Yeah, if you have other thoughts. So I think if if everything's good in other aspects of your life, you're gonna have a great show. Right. So you know, I used you have to, to clear you have to clean the slate. You have to clear right. the mind. So. Is there, you know, when I played in Shoot the Moon, this this is going to give you a little time to eat. Um, during a set, I think I'm good. Actually, I'll, I'll just, maybe like an inch It's amazing coffee. how much coffee he can drink. Yeah, thank you. I just have more than one cup. You are? Yeah. All day long? All day long. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. Yeah, come along, Ken. If I do that, I'm just shaking. Yeah. I'm going, so I don't even feel the shape. Yeah, I feel like I'm going like to bed right now. Well, in Shoot the Moon, um, we play, a, like, say, 10 songs. And almost every set, thank you, almost every set we would do, we would, uh, you know, it would start to gel around song seven. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Song seven, right? You know, and um, and it would be great, but I, I could never get it to gel on song one, two, three, four. Oh yeah, you there, never, do you have a do you have a zone like that, or is it just good the from first the moment couple you couple songs? Uh, nine out of ten times, you're not going to be as loose as you want, and usually nerves get the best of you. Um, we opened up for Metallica last year, and I. I was having a really hard time trying to get to a place of relaxation. I don't know, it just we were playing like football stadiums. And so it could have been acoustically, or, or there just seemed to be such a detachment between where we were. We were opening too, so we, you know, it wasn't like our full show. Um, but maybe not never knowing what the sound was going to be like, but it was just hard to get into the show until song four. So song kind four. of similar to what you're saying. Um, what made it work at song four? I think if there, there, if there was any monitor issues, it was all dialed in. Um, True. 
I've never I, played I, a stadium like that. Is there, is there a disconnect? Because as far as you can see, there's people. Well, when there's 90% ticket sales are for the headliner, yeah, there's a detachment. <laughs> So you need a little There's bit a of major you, you need a little bit of love. I mean, we killed it by the last song, but like we we were working, we were we were, we were working hard. Don't artists like that? I mean, don't artists like it when when you have to work? It's fine. For it? it works. It's cool. It's it's there. Th I know what you're saying. There there's a there's a achievement in knowing that you converted. I sound like a, an evangelist now. You converted Aren't you? fans over. We're not going to talk about that today? Yeah, we can get into religion <laughs> and um, Joseph Smith's Mormon uh, religion, how that happened. Um, Scientology. But uh, to get back to my original thought. Which was um, the, the connection. and Yeah, yeah. So it was okay, but there's nothing better than like going out there and having your your people there and, and your production and you know when it's your show and you know what you want to deliver and they're there to hear you yeah and then, so they give a connection to you yeah I mean, that energy gonna, goes I'm into gonna, you i'm not gonna lie about that that's that's where you want to be well, i just wonder yeah. as an artist because some artists like um like you know we um in shoot the moon we open for um the pixies Great. And it was the worst booking you could have ever made. Where did you guys play? Uh, the Roxy. Mm. It was their first, I think it was the first tour they got big. Wow. And um, What year was this? Uh, maybe 84. Okay. This guy's, this guy's the receipt. There you go, sir. You're welcome. I don't know if he did you a favor or not. But <laughs> I don't know if that was a favor or not. Right? Oh, it was a big favor. <laughs> Anytime. Can we take any of this out of your way, or are you guys still picking? Um, Can I take this home? Yeah. I will. I will get a box. Yeah. And 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 so um, um, we played like a, a song. Do you need change? No, that's good. We played a song. Just keep it. We played a song um, that was like Angel. Angel. I don't remember. Thank you. For the in front of the Pixies audience, it was it was even more. I remember Angel. I used to sing that song to you. You know, it's one of your favorite Shoot the Moon songs, and uh, it's actually called "Not to Be Far Confused" Away by Aerosmith's Angel, right? And most of my life, I was ashamed of that moment as an artist because uh -huh. I felt like, wow, that was the wrong booking. And uh... but now, looking back on my life, I think artistically it was the greatest thing to do. Yeah. To, to and they were just sleeping on the stage. They were, they were sleeping on the stage. Well, just the fact that you had the balls to perform no. Angel in front of the Pixie audience was, there's something to be said about that, you know? It wasn't balls, it was ignorance back then, but, but you know, <laughs> artistically, um, we didn't alter our integrity. Uh -huh. we, yeah. didn't, we didn't become a Pixies band. Yep. We didn't research them and oh, we're gonna we're gonna win these people over. No. We're just like fuck you. We're this exactly. And if you don't like it, that's cool. Punk rock. But we're not gonna like change because you think yeah. Yeah. Well, Which is I, the other? I used to be in a band that I formed called Hot Potty. You might be familiar with. Uh, Do you remember that? Some of my history. And uh, 
we opened up for Bad Religion, and I was doing two sets a night for about a week, and we literally got booed off stage every night. Off the stage? That is awesome. Are you serious? No, no, no. Oh. I finished the set. Okay. But, oh yeah, let me rephrase that. We were booed throughout the show. I love But not that. off stage. I wasn't going to give them... What is that? I was, I was not going to give them that satisfaction. But in a weird way, I don't know if it's the Andy Kaufman in me or what, but I was not going to let them win. I was up there. I was like an infantry man just standing my ground. And sure. Thank you. And, um, and my whole uh, credo was we don't sound anything like the other band that, I'm, yes. uh, that you're going to see me in. And this is what I've created. And if you don't like it, you can sit down. But, you know, your booing is not going to affect me at all. Right. So, um, why would yeah. you, why would you, that, I'm sorry. It's almost I mean, like a, it was like a, I don't know. It was like, I don't know, it just kind of fueled me to even yeah. want to, you know, kind of push the knife in okay. even more. It's like, okay, so if this is how you're going to react, I'm, I'm going to do a keyboard solo for you, and it's going to last right. 10 minutes. <laughs> so defiance. <laughs> yeah. Defiance, which is punk. Yeah. I mean, what trips me out is that I learned uh, about Genesis from it's a punk It's very childish. I mean, yeah. yeah. But back then, I, I was trying to figure life out. I mean, the, when, back in the 80s, <laughs> back in the 70s, when I was exposed to punk, those guys taught me about like Genesis, the band Genesis. Uh -huh. They taught me about like yes, not, not biblical. No. Okay. But they were the most open-minded music listeners that I'd ever met. Yeah. Um, they didn't dress like everybody else. You know, they were not afraid of different things. Yeah. It's so strange that at a punk concert that would happen because even if they didn't like it, like why act like a brat? I mean, I don't even get that. I don't even understand how yeah. that even happened. It's funny because what punk rock stands for is individualism yeah. and uh, uh, freedom of expression. And it was anything but that yeah. with these naysayers. That's what I'm saying. It's like, well, yeah, I know we don't sound like BR, but what you're doing is against everything that I believe in you know, with the, um, with the ethos. Yes. So, um, it was just interesting how, you know, you observed this with some people, but then there was other people that were open-minded and it's like, okay, let's, right. let's give this asshole a chance. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, that actually, I, know. I remember Hot Potty opened up for the Vandals. It yeah. was like, it was the most torturous show we've ever done. Why? My mom was there. It was the first time she saw me get booed off stage, and she was in tears. She uh -huh. was like, could not understand what was going on. Uh -huh. um, and uh, yeah, that that definitely left a uh, indelible memory in my. Uh, did you my believe? Brain. Did you authenticate what they were doing? You so you somehow believed it. I mean, why would that hurt you if you felt like you were doing what you wanted to do? Oh, I wasn't hurt. Oh. I was, I felt bad for my mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just, it was another day in the office. Like, oh, cool. Like, I'm going to play another show and not win. Right. 
awesome. Right. Bring it on. Which is punk rock. Because I enjoyed what we were doing, and I believed in what we were doing, and all my favorite artists were guys that weren't accepted. Right. Which that was a great band, by the way. doing something different. So. Your, your band, Hot Potty, um, as well as the Kidneys. I, thank you. But, uh, so I have another I, last question. Yeah. So did, did punk rock, and maybe we've already answered, but so did punk rock create a prison for itself in that you should dress this way, you should listen to this kind of music, you should approach the guitar in this way, approach the bass in this way? For some, for some uh, genres in punk rock, and you know, the subgenres, yeah, you got your homogenized punks. And, rules. And then. Punk rock with rules. And then you have Bad Religion, where, or Minor Threat, where Minor Threat created the, the straight edge with it. Oh, cool, I can make music without getting drunk and, and being promiscuous and, 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 and not smoking and, and be, you know, hyper focused. Okay, so they created a movement. And bad religion. They, most of the guys in the band, including myself, look like school teachers. And it's like, okay, well, we're we're aesthetically doing something different, which is us, um, and making some great music. Yeah. You know. So, um, so yeah, you know, those are the trailblazers. And I was proud to be a part of that too, right. because there was no other band that sounded like us. Right. You know. Right. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I think I've exhausted your our hour. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. We should do this every day. We'll, we'll have a part two someday. Yeah. We should do like a 20,000 hour podcast and then release <laughs> it next year. I'm going to turn this off. Okay. And we can actually talk about Good night. real stuff now. Yeah. Okay. This is when it gets good. I got to take a piss.